and may, it may sound selfish and it may sound a lot of things, but you know what? Go screw yourself. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. You know, it's been so long since Chris and I have gotten together. The last episode that Chris posted was back on July the 28th, episode 535. Um, It was entitled, Hello. No, it's not Lionel Richie's song. It was, uh, I don't even know what we were talking about, but uh, that was the last episode that Chris posted, again, back on July 28th. And as we sit here and welcome you to this 535th episode, it is Sunday the 5th. Sixth. Sixth. See? You were talking about Kristen Yelich, by the way. That's what you were talking Kristen about. Kristen Yelich. That's right. Kristen Yelich. Very good. Kristen Yelich. The, the no longer all-star right fielder of the Milwaukee Brewers, who uh, are two games below 500 as we say hello. And, and say hello. And it's again, it's been a while. I've got to get my uh, lips working. Wake up, Mike. Let's yeah. Go. Well, again, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, as we've started this video component six weeks ago or whenever it was, um, we always started with headlines. So I have a headline. Mikey finally got a job. And uh, thank to, thankful to Chris for his uh, cooperation and his flexibility. Um, I have been very, very busy, as Chris is every day. But Chris has been working the last three years. Old Mikey here hasn't been working much the last three years. And uh, I will be traveling a lot with this group. Um, it's, uh, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a trip just to get out to this job, but I'm very appreciative and very thankful for everybody at Porchlight Developments. Free plug there. Uh, maybe I can get them to be an advertiser on Unscripted. But um, a lot has changed. Uh, Chris and I both took some holidays. Um, mine, we did put my father virtually, if you will, in the ground um, twice back on July excuse me, August the 8th and August the 12th, uh, did have a formal ceremony. My sister had a formal ceremony for him in her church in the Lake Tahoe area. So we finally got that behind us. And uh, thanks to everybody for your kind words and your well wishes. And and, uh, it's been an unbelievable, you know, this year started, uh, obviously, on a really bad, bad, it it sucked. It's it has sucked since January first. Let's be honest. And it was the same day that the Packers got blown out in the NFC Championship game in Santa Clara, California, against the 49ers. That was the the uh, that was the day that my basement mm-hmm. blew up with the water main break. That was January. It took until the, almost the end of February to get the house fixed. Then my father passes in April, and we've been going through all of that. And oh yeah, just along the way, just to spice things up again. A little bit, we've got to throw in a worldwide pandemic. And then we have to throw in a little bit of a racial injustice and Black Lives Matter and, and everything else. I mean, Jesus, if we could just skip to January 1st of 2021 right now, I'd be all for it. I think a lot of people would, would join me in that. 2020 has sucked. I don't even, there isn't even a nice way, to nice spin to put about it. 2020 has sucked. And um, it continues to amaze me everything that we have been through this year as a society, both, you know, collectively and individually. This has just been bullshit this whole this whole year. 
And um, I am really looking forward to 2021. Um, but again, some positives, obviously, in, a, in an economy that is in the toilet in Western Canada. Thank you to our uh, Lord and worship, Justin. I always want to say, <laughs> I always want to say, who's the little singer from Ottawa that, that made his name on YouTube? I always want to call him Justin Bieber, but it's Justin oh. Trudeau, our prime minister in this great country, but he's a limp dick. Um, as bad as this economy is, and it obviously hasn't been helped with coronavirus, Mikey breaks through and finds a job. Again, small miracle. The best news of 2021, 2020 by far. Um, but this has been an unbelievably unique year, and we'll get to some of that. But I do want to stay on a, for, on a format. I want to get my lips working again. I want to get my voice working again. Um, so we've got some headlines to address. And I guess the biggest one is that the... And I, I'm taking this by the Green Bay Packers. Because Chris and I have discussed this the last three Septembers. And I guess we have to say this is our season opener of our fourth season. It is. Yeah, this is actually our fourth September, technically. Right. For it. But the last three, remember three years ago, supposedly it was the Packers' 100th season. Mm-hmm. And then two years ago was the NFL's 100th season. And then last year, for some reason, inexplicably, it was the 100th season again because they, they, they put the Thursday night extravaganza with Packers-Bears, and obviously neither one of them the year previously had won the Super Bowl. So, um, so I'm going as this as the 102nd NFL season. I'm probably wrong. I don't give a shit. The 102nd NFL season starts on Thursday night. I'm very excited to see the defending world's uh, Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately, and I said this when the schedule came out, and I remember it because I was with you, and we were at your house, and we were unscripted. I think they could have come up with a better playmate than the Houston Texans. Even though the Texans made news today or yesterday by signing their franchise quarterback to Sean uh, Watson to a $160 million contract for four years, a four-year extension, $40 million bucks a year per, and uh, that's great. You know, you should never really feel sorry for a guy that just signed a $160 million contract extension, but I do feel a little bit sorry for him because he's stuck with butt chin for the next four years. Yeah, well, you know what? The thing is, it's funny to think that Bill O'Brien finally made a right move but the problem is he never wanted Deshaun Watson in the first place. Right. Back when Bill O'Brien was not the omnipotent dictator within the context of the Houston Texans that he is now, since no one's filled the leadership uh, void uh, left by the late Bob McNair since he passed away, uh, you know, Butchen has just taken over. But before he had completely taken over the whole thing, uh, he was a, a voice of dissent against uh, Deshaun Watson being drafted in the first place. And so now, but now even he has to admit now, okay, well, the guy's like our whole team on offense now. Since I gave away uh, DeAndre Hopkins for uh, David Johnson, who's 85. And, and a bag of hockey puck. And a second round pick, not even a first. Yeah. Said, like, yeah. You're trading away DeAndre Hopkins, and still in his prime, maybe still the most talented receiver in the NFL, and you like the negotiations start with a first round pick. That's right. where they start. Okay. Right, right, right. First right. round picks on the table. Okay, now we can talk about the rest of the deal. You don't like, oh, you know, like maybe if it's David Johnson from a few years ago and maybe they still think they're getting that, and maybe they are, 
he still, you know, looks good. I mean, all these beat reporters sing glowing praises about almost every single guy at every single camp. And then they show pictures of these guys who just looked absolutely jacked. And it's like, wow, really? A guy playing in the NFL looks jacked right now? <laughs> well, let me just change everything then. Like, they all look like that, you know, unless they're an O-lineman or something that's not supposed to look like that. So it's kind of silly. But yes, 40 million times four was the uh, correct thing to do there for uh, Deshaun Watson. He's worth every penny. He's uh, what some people would describe him as a generational talent might be. I don't know if he's quite that good, but he might be like, I, I love Deshaun Watson. Seems like a great guy, a great head on his shoulders. And it's just a shame that he has to get killed behind a terrible offensive line that somehow has the highest paid left tackle in the league, Laramie Tunsil, when he doesn't deserve to be, uh, you know, you can throw a lot of money at that O-line doesn't mean they're going to be any good. So I do feel bad for Deshaun Watson too, having to get his head taken off every other play. But, uh, you know, all the best to him and, and uh, a really nice guy to get paid. A guy that gave his very first NFL paycheck to charity. That's right. So, I mean, you can't say anything bad about Deshaun Watson. Gotta love the guy. And uh, actually, this morning, I was, uh, I was a ringer for uh, my one buddy's fantasy draft. He's out of cell coverage, out camping or something. And he got me to fill in online as his secret shadow GM doing the work. And they think it's him. And his only request was that he really wanted to, unless I could get Patrick Mahomes, which was impossible in this league. Uh, he really, he just really wanted Deshaun Watson because he's his favorite quarterback and just loves the guy. And I can't blame him. And, uh, I did get Deshaun Watson for him in the fifth round of the draft today. And, uh, hope you enjoy it there, buddy, because Deshaun Watson, real deal. We've got a bunch of headlines and I'll get to them. I promise. And I really want to talk about the national hockey league because they're starting their conference finals play in Edmonton and Toronto. And remember folks, the, Stanley Cup Finals will be played, if it goes to seven games, will be played in Edmonton. And I want to talk about that. But think about this, as you talk about Deshaun Watson now getting his contract extension. And I think it was Mahomes at 10 that year, and it was Watson, Watson at 12. At 12 and, and they've both, two. and, and that's where I'm going with that. Uh, those two have both signed lucrative extensions here in the offseason. <laughs> lucrative, that's one word for it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being... Uh, I'm trying to come up with a word that well, you would come up with, but I, my vocabulary isn't as deep and as, and as good as yours. It's a perfect word for Watson. Mahomes, even I'm not sure what the word is for that. But, well, Mahomes is in a class by himself. Yeah. Uh, I think he might be the most exciting player to watch right now. Maybe not only in the National Football League, but maybe in professional sports. I, I don't know if I'm exaggerating that too much because every time he does something on the field, it seems to amaze us. But I'll get to that a little bit later. What I was getting at with at 10 Mahomes and 12 Watson, the number two pick in that draft, and again, we've made mention of this a million times, but it keeps being, it, it keeps aching to be mentioned again because the Chicago Bears just keep screwing up. And that's fine with me because. They're in the same division as the Green Bay Packers. So as long as we have Mitchell Trubisky as a whipping boy, we're all that's always worth a couple of wins on the Caesars on the Packers season total. But the Bears made news late last week that they have decided to go with the former North Carolina one-year wonder Mitchell Trubisky as their starting quarterback. And I think if they're I think probably the biggest round of applause and the biggest noise about that announcement happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Detroit, Michigan, because I, I really truly believe, and I said this on the program, and I will say it again, why would you send a draft pick? And it was a fourth-round draft pick, but you're still absorbing three years left of Nick Foles' contract on your payroll. I thought 
it would have been a slam dunk. And that's why I guess I'm not as smart or whatever as Ryan Pace, <laughs> the general manager of the Chicago Bears. But wow. why would you make a trade for Nick Foles with his proven history? You're bringing on, again, him for three more years with his contract. He signed a four-year contract extension before the start of last season in Jacksonville. Why wouldn't Nick Foles be your quarterback in Chicago? I have no goddamn clue. Well, Ryan Pace just doesn't know what he's doing. You know, I, I saw a ranking of the worst GMs uh, from a source I really trust, and they had him, I think, second, and they did have David Caldwell in first in Jacksonville, who is really continuing to just make blunder after blunder as well. But Ryan Pace, I really do think, deserves to be number one. He is just a complete disaster. He has no idea what he's doing. He has no foresight. We still remember one of the first things we talked about, I think, three years ago, speaking of on Unscripted, you know, the three-year deal to Mike Glennon, $15 million a year to be the starting quarterback, and then he doesn't do anything, and no one else was offering him more than 10 and I just went off on him, like, over and over again on this program. Yeah. That's probably one of your first memories of me on this program, <laughs> is, like, why why would you pay a guy 15 when no one gives him more than 10 Why would you say he's a starter when he's not? Like, and there's just so many problems with this. But uh, getting back to Trubisky... The problem is, and this is the same reason why they drafted him, Mitchell Trubisky is a perfectly fine quarterback in practice. Yeah. In practice, he's good. There, there's Look, there's a reason he went second overall ahead of Mahomes and Watson. You don't do that when you're terrible, right? when you're just always terrible in all facets, right? He obviously had the skills enough to do well in a in a system in college. And I mean, I know that other guys who sucked like Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf did too, but... Mitchell Trubisky has some ability. He has the ability to scramble. He needs to do that more, in fact, in games. And if he's just in practice, he knows how to throw a football. You don't get to the NFL level if you can't throw a football. I guarantee Mitchell Trubisky can throw a football a lot further than I can and more accurately than I can, uh, especially when you're just hanging out in the backyard. But in games, he has shown over and over again that he just doesn't have it, certainly not at the NFL level. If there is one winner of no preseason in the NFL this year. It is Mitchell Trubisky because that's exactly where he might have been exposed, but he didn't have the chance to be practiced. It's really hard to simulate. And maybe even if they did have a preseason, maybe he still looks okay there against a bunch of scrubs, maybe, right? But in the games, unless he's really made a turnaround, and I don't know, maybe Jared Goff with Sean McVay's coaching is about the only comparable I can think where someone looked like a complete yeah. bust yeah. as a, as a top pick and who was first overall. In fact, everyone gave up on him, called him Jared goof. <laughs> and he still doesn't look that good behind a bad O-line, but the one year they had the really good O-line and they had McVay coaching him up and Greg Olson yeah. coaching him up. Yeah. All of a sudden he looked just lights out. Like there were games. He was just, did he just looked like Mah like Mahomes? He looked, did whatever he wanted. And it was just routinely completing deep bombs for touchdowns. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if Matt Nagy has that ability. He has a reputation as something like that for an offensive mind, maybe. But uh, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky, I can't see this being the right decision. And But you're right. I mean, Nick Foles, why would you do that? Nick Foles has had more downs than ups in his career, just as ups have been so up. But his downs have been really down. Remember his time in Kansas City and the Rams, and he was just useless. Uh, you know, at times in Philly until he got coached up again, coached up by not just a great head coach, but a great quarterback uh, coach as well, or OC, I should say. Same thing as Goff and uh, Trubisky. 
Man, I just think this is going to blow up in their face again. And the Bears have got to be one of the worst teams in the league this year, really. Well, think about it this way. And we've got other things to get to. But I, I think this is this is something that needs to be said in regard to those three quarterbacks in that draft. Watson played for a national championship while he was at Clemson mm-hmm. and was at least a three-year starter, maybe a four-year starter for Dabo Sweeney in uh, uh, Clemson. Clemson, South Carolina. Um, obviously Mahomes was a record setting quarterback at Texas tech. Um, never made a a national championship game, but at least they went to a bowl game. I think that I have pretty good, at least fair to Midland knowledge about college football. And I said this when this first happened, how do you, first of all, trade up one spot from three to two in the draft. That was amazing. That was amazing in and of itself. But then how do you do that and you trade for a guy that has 13 college football starts at North Carolina? And North Carolina uh, was in the middle of – they were were dog shit. They weren't very good. And, again, everything you said, I'm not disagreeing with anything you said, but all I'm saying is how can you trade up for a guy – that has 13 collegiate starts under his belt. He played at North Carolina, which is still a basketball school, and you passed on those two guys at 10 and 12 that have played big-time college football in meaningful big-time college football games, and Trubisky had 13 starts. Um, I just think I am so happy that Ryan Pace is the general manager of the Chicago Bears because that keeps the Packers relevant. And it may sound selfish, and it may sound a lot of things, but you know what? Go screw yourself. Um, other headlines. The Lions have brought another running back into the fold, and I think this is a good move for the Lions. I really do. Um, they've got some good backs uh, in uh, Detroit already, but you bring a guy of the ilk and the magnitude of Adrian Peterson and it only cost you $1.1 million, I think that's a very good move for the Detroit Lions, and that's going to help that running back room there. A little, another signing that happened, but a lot more than $1.1 million. Jadavian Clowney signed, I guess, late yesterday, one year, uh, fifth, up to, with incentives, up to $15 million with the Tennessee Titans. And supposedly, what I heard as late as this morning, was that the New Orleans Saints were very close. Oh, yeah. And they put in a good offer. But I think, from what I read this morning, that the difference maker was Mike Vrabel and his staff that he worked previously when he was down in Houston and had his best year as a pro, I believe, in 17. And that was kind of the the kicker. That was the thing that made it happen, getting to play with familiar coaches that brought something extra out of Clowney. Clowney has never put up, in my estimation, he's had a lot of quarterback pressures in his career, but he's never put up big sack numbers. His when In 2017, when... Uh, Who's the damn coach? I just mentioned mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien Butchin. No, 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 no. When he, oh, Mike Vrabel. Uh, Vrabel, right. When Vrabel was his defensive coordinator in Houston, he only had nine and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. So, again, in this day and age, when you've got guys that are going deep in the double digits, nine and a half doesn't seem like a whole heck of a lot. Um, However, can I say that? Sure, please. With, with that, you can say whatever uh, the hell you yeah. want. Yeah. Uh, Jadevian Clowney, uh, I think this is a great signing. And I also, by the way, I love that it's, in the AFC South, and he gets to torture potentially the Houston Texans twice a year. Other than poor Deshaun Watson, that's too bad. But but other than uh, that, I, I love seeing Bill O'Brien have to deal with that when he traded him away for no reason because he's he's a petulant child. But uh, yeah, when what his exact quote allegedly, Clowney 
was he chose familiarity over economics. Right. And yeah, the, like the Saints didn't want to take no for an answer. And I don't know how Mickey Loomis continues to do it. Every day, he's getting a new guy to restructure his contract. He's a genius. He's like, he's a wizard with the cap. Mickey Loomis is the greatest. I think at Mickey that. Loomis needs to give a little bit of a tutorial to Brian Gutekunst in Green Bay. Oh, and uh, most of the guys in the league, I think, could learn a thing or two because he's always going after the big names, and he thought that would be a great fit for the Saints, and I agree. And uh, you know, he, it's just everything. Okay, I'm kind of signing with them. No, well, here's another offer then. And can you imagine coming back? Can you imagine how unbelievably talented the New Orleans Saints defensively could have been if they had if oh. they had gotten Clowney to sign on the dotted line? Yeah, no kidding. But it could have been, a, you know, they could have been a rotational pass switch situation with Davenport and whatever else they got out there. I mean, Jesus, you're absolutely right. I mean, I just can't believe how Mickey keeps pulling this stuff off. And you know, they you always see, well, they have minimal cap space. Well, doesn't seem to matter. No, he doesn't it out. seem to matter. No. I mean, he goes to Drew Brees and hey, uh, Drew, uh, can we uh, do a little? You know, it's unbelievable, and that's why Mickey Loomis, uh, Howie Roseman, we've said this forever and ever, and amen. Uh, it's the same guys we rattle off every time. So you know what we're going to say, and so I'll just shut up. But, I mean, I feel like Loomis doesn't get the same credit. Like, everyone gives Howie Roseman and Belichick and all these big names a bunch of credit, and you, I, I just rarely hear Loomis's name come well, up. People and forget think, about him. I think, unfairly so, but this is just my opinion, and you can take it for whatever it's worth, but those two other names you mentioned, Rosen, uh, excuse me, uh, Howie Roseman and Belichick, they've recently won Super Bowls. For the New Orleans Saints, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 2009. And the last three years, the last three years, they've been unceremoniously dumped in the playoffs. Yeah, that was, yeah. They really have, really, that, first, that first playoff game the last three years for the New Orleans Saints has been deadly. The Minneapolis Miracle in 2017. Then the 18, you had the infamous pass interference call between the Saints and the Rams. And then, of course, in 19... What the hell happened when they didn't show up and the Vikings beat mm-hmm. them in the in the Superdome? So, I just think um, there is no excuses anymore. I you know, and if and if Gail Benson, you know, because Tom Benson died, so the wife takes over ownership, and she probably doesn't you know the difference between a jockstrap and a helmet, but that's okay. But if they ever decide to make, if let's just say this upcoming season, if we see it all the way to the end, and I we'll talk about that later too. But if we see it all the way to the end, and for some reason, and I think a very talented New Orleans Saints team, let's say they go 12-4, and four, and all of a sudden they lose in the first round again, I think the next person to get fired then, because changes would have to be made. Four years in a row, come on. I think Sean Payton would have to be the target. Because Oof. Mickey Loomis has done his job. He has supplied Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and everybody else in that great organization with a hell of a lot of good football players. If they get dumped in the first round this year um, in the playoffs, then I think you've got to make some changes. And it's not Mickey Loomis that needs to go. I think it would be Sean Payton that needs to go. Well, it'd be Payton more than Loomis if you had to make that decision. But I think both have done a good job. Uh, all the last three years, uh, everyone will say, oh, it's excuses. But you know what? I mean, you get a, a freak miracle play and then back-to-back years of, no, of blatant non-calls, in my opinion, by the uh, Nikel Roby Coleman with the blatant interference and then last year with the push-off. Uh, I just, you know, I, I feel bad for the Saints, really, and I, I'd like to see them win again. I would not be surprised if they won the Super Bowl this year at all. But, um, but uh, oh, sorry, just two last points on Clowney before I get there. Yeah, Num- yeah. Number one. Uh, that D line is going to be scary in Tennessee. We got uh, Landry and you got uh, 
Jeffrey Simmons there and everything. I think that could be a really scary D-line that nobody wants to play against. And if you screw up, you know, Kevin Byard's back there playing safety. And uh, I just think that there's a lot of potential again for the Titans to have that formula that worked and took them to the AFC Championship game last year with, you know, the, the just the ground and pound with Derrick Henry yeah. and then the emerging A.J. Brown to throw to and then a great defense. And I think that's great. And the other thing with Jadevian Clowney, yes, like he was drafted first overall in 2014 to be Lawrence Taylor. And he's not that. Nobody is. But uh, he is underrated in his run support. So, yes, he doesn't get the double-digit sacks. I think nine and a half is his career high. Yeah, but he's, he's excellent in run support. So it's nice that he can supply the pressure. He's great at supplying pressure. Doesn't get quite as many sacks as they'd like. But then he, I think, makes up for it a bit with incredible, uh, you know, run stopping. And so, yeah, I think he's a he's a great uh, add there, especially in a division where you're playing against Philip Rivers and you're playing against, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson. I think he's a necessary piece there. And I think there's a brilliant signing and it was right for the Titans to uh, to go all in there for sure. I think that's going to pay dividends for them. Um. I was going to give Indianapolis the AFC South Division Championship probably without even playing a game this year. I probably have to readjust my thinking there, uh, obviously. Uh, But I can tell you one thing. um, The Jacksonville Jaguars may be the third team in the modern-day era to go 0-16. I mean, I know you're not a Leonard Fournette fan, and I know two years ago, after that 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 run that they made to the AFC mm-hmm. Championship game, and realistically, they could have gone to the Super Bowl yeah. if they had done things differently mm-hmm. in that fourth quarter, obviously. But um, Leonard Fournette was the fourth overall pick a couple of years ago. They've let him go. Uh, nice pickup by the <laughs> freaking Buccaneers. Good pickup by the Buccaneers. You don't have to have... You don't have to have uh, Fournette play every down, but he can add something to that team, obviously, with the, the other running backs that they have in the stable down there in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is loading up for a run here, folks. Um, but does anybody want to play in Jacksonville anymore? And again, I, the reason no. I say that is that defensive end, and I, you know me with names, I'm not even going to try to say this kid's name, but this kid took less money, waived the franchise tag just to get the hell out of Jacksonville for a fresh start and a pay cut to go to Minneapolis and play for the Vikings. So what I'm saying here in regard to a comment that we made a couple minutes ago in regard to David Caldwell, I don't know if David Caldwell is that dumb or he's on orders from somebody else to get rid of this and just get rid of everybody that's... I mean, how can you go into the season as bad as they potentially could be in Jacksonville and... Their starting quarterback is a former sixth-round draft pick. And he, you know, uh, Minshew did some good things last year. But then ultimately, your backup is a sixth-round draft pick from this season. I mean, I just don't quite understand and really don't care. But I don't understand what the hell the, the, the rationale and the thinking that's going on in the hierarchy of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We both have great respect for their ownership with the cons. But my God, their football operations look like it's being run like by a high school kid. It's just ridiculous what they're doing to this NFL team. Yeah, well, this is the most blatant tank job we've seen in a long time in sports, in in my opinion, because it's completely over the top, just completely getting rid of guys. And I mean, yeah, like they got a couple of first rounders for Jalen Ramsey, for example. But I mean, overall, a lot of the stuff has been terrible. And the guy in question you were talking about who went to Minnesota, Yannick Ngakwe. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so he... 
here's an example, though, that he's a perfect example of how you can't uh, apologize it away for David Caldwell. He's just proven at least on that one that he doesn't know what he's doing because if you remember, the Oakland Raiders offered the 19th overall pick in this past draft. That's right. For him. Great point. Yeah. yeah. 19th overall. And they said, no, we want your 12th overall pick. And they're right. like, no, that's too much. And like, oh, we're sticking with 19th. Like, should have taken it because now you get a second for him when you could have had a, any, a second you have to wait for a year, which I guess doesn't matter if you're tanking that, that badly. But I am shocked uh, that uh, the NFL doesn't have a draft lottery like all the yeah. other yeah. Uh, you know, friend or the, the, all the other sports, because I mean, it's such a neat event. I mean, it's a, it's a special you can have on TV. It gets ratings. People are excited to see it, and it prevents this blatant tanking. The problem is the Jacksonville Jaguars have decided that they want to tank for Trevor Lawrence out of right. Clemson. That's right. what this is. That's all this Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And I mean, it's super easy just to give guys away for draft picks, but they're not even doing that well because when you can get 19th overall and you say, no, we'll take a second later because you, you know, you, you played chicken with the Raiders and you got, you, I mean, Mike Mayock hasn't been as good as people would have expected for such a smart guy, but he completely, uh, you know, stuck to his ground and you know, they played chicken with him and lost in Jacksonville and it was too bad because uh, I, I feel bad this team was fu- was the joke of the league for a long time they finally looked like they were doing something they had the most not just the maybe the best defense a few years ago when they made their run they had the most exciting defense like they weren't just good at stopping it they were dynamic they got interceptions and forced fumbles and they were fun to watch and it's it's not that often you look forward to seeing a defense step on the field purely for the excitement like that's not very often and that one year they had that and it was amazing and they had all these draft picks that were hitting, and then they all left because the Jacksonville Jaguars, and this is partly Tom Coughlin's fault, who's gone, they accounted for 25% of the grievances by players in the entire NFL. How could one team have a quarter <laughs> of the grievances by all players? That That's unbelievable. Why would you want to play there? You're not going to win anytime soon. It's no fun. Now, I know they got rid of Coughlin, which maybe helps, but... Man, I mean, this franchise is in complete disarray. The GM needs to go, and it's just a disaster. I mean, other than DJ Chark, the excellent young receiver, who I love in fantasy this year because they're going to have all these games where he just racks up garbage time, much like Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns did a few years ago when they were terrible. Uh, Other than them racking up stats, um, other than him, uh, Gardner Minshew, the sixth-round pick, is the most exciting thing on the team and maybe the most competent as well. And that's just ridiculous. This is just completely spitting in the face of the fans. As far as I'm concerned, this is a blatant tank job and it's disrespectful and it shouldn't be allowed to work. Uh, the fact there isn't a draft lottery just speaks to the unbelievable inaction and lethargy of Roger Goodell because there's absolutely no excuse for not having a draft lottery. We're going to see one eventually in the NFL. It's just a matter of if he ever gets off his ass and does it or if we have to wait for the next guy. Uh, this just in, uh, breaking news. Um... Roger Goodell has asked for another pay raise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Real quick, a couple things that I wanted to get to on this 535th episode of Unscripted. Our first episode since late July. Uh, Chris posted our last episode, 534, back on July 28th. So uh, due to some holidays and circumstances, we have not been able to get together. But uh, this is our first episode back since the end of July, and uh, we thank you for that as we welcome you to this, not only this episode, but our fourth season of Unscripted. And uh, we had a goal originally of a 1,000 episodes. We're more than halfway there. Um, be interesting to see um, 
how long it's going to take us to get to 1,000. Hmm. This damn jobs thing really just cuts <laughs> into my golfing time and my unscripted time. Um, I'm kind of surprised by this. I want to, I think I'm going to save the national hockey league until the next episode, because I want to really go in depth on that. Um, I'm, I want to, and I'm also going to share with you what I believe is going to be the most unique two teams in this most unique of seasons. I think the two teams that I've chosen to represent their respective conferences in the upcoming Stanley cup finals, I'm going to bet my last $8 that you never would have thought that there would have been franchises in these two cities 25 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, whenever it was. Well, Tampa's been around more than 10 years, but it's just unfathomable to me that you could have a Stanley Cup Finals. Now, again, the Stanley Cup Finals this year will be in Edmonton at the beautiful Rogers Place in Edmonton, but in a normal scenario, you would have... Two, I believe you're going to have the two Stanley Cup finalists from two very warm weather cities. That's all. I'll, that's a little, little uh, teaser there. But I just want to really quick before we have to get out of here on this 535th episode, I pose the question to Chris. He's already answered it once earlier today, but I'll pose it again to our fans of Unscripted. As we are speaking right now is Game 4, of the Eastern Conference semifinal series down in the bubble in Orlando between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. And um, Miami is un- just totally un- over- uh, overplayed. Uh, is that the word overplayed or as outplayed. outplayed? That's the word I'm looking for. God, it's been a month. Um, has totally outplayed the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks in the fourth quarter had a 12-point lead on Friday and pissed that away. Um, John has hurt his ankle, and uh, there's a lot of circumstances there. But I pose the question, if what a lot of people think is going to happen today, and I don't have the score in front of me right now, they started at 1.30 Mountain Time here today, um, could this be the last game that Giannis Antetokounmpo suits up for the Milwaukee Bucks? Now, I know he's still got one year left on his contract. I also know that as soon as the end at the conclusion of this season, he could sign that mega max contract with the Bucks, which would be for $258 million. But um, I'm hearing some rumblings. And I think that this series is going to be a very true telltale sign in regard to what Giannis does next. Miami has figured out a way, obviously, during the regular season when the Bucks were playing at, at almost 90%. At one point during the season, they were 53-8. and eight and they were playing at an 89% win percentage. They had a little bit of a stumble there before we had the cancellation, or the, excuse me, the postponement of the season back in March. They lost three in a row before we went into the shutdown. But they still went into the shutdown at 53-11. and 11. Pretty damn good. Since then, Milwaukee's never been the same. But the problem, in my estimation, is the Bucks do not have, and I'm not making excuses, I'm a Bucks fan. We're getting our ass kicked. Miami has exposed us as a fraud. We play in a weak division, in the Central Division, with a bunch of limp dick teams. Detroit, Cleveland, Indiana, they're not good. Indiana's okay, but, I mean, Milwaukee won the division by 20 games. Um, but the problem in Milwaukee is, and I've said this before, we do not have a second banana superstar. We do not have that second guy. And if you're looking at the Lakers, the second guy, guys, 
from what I've seen, potentially might be LeBron James. And I say that with all due respect to LBJ, but Anthony Davis is one hell of a basketball player. Unbelievable what he can do at almost seven feet tall. But they've got those two there. You've got Kawhi and Paul George in uh, the other team in L.A. In Miami, you've got a bunch of guys, led now by Jimmy Butler. Um, Houston, you've still got, I, I hate the beard, but you've got the beard and you've got Russell Westbrook. Um, in Boston, you've got Kemba Walker. You've got, uh, uh, the kid from uh, Tatum from Duke, Jason Tatum. You've got, uh, there's another, uh, Jalen Brown. They've got three or four really good basketball players. Milwaukee's got a good team, but they're not a championship caliber team because if you throw a roadblock, which Toronto did to him last year after winning the first two games, Toronto figured something out. Nick Nurse, coach of the year, figured something out. And if you could stop Giannis and he has to hit jump shots to beat you, Milwaukee isn't going to beat you because we don't have that second banana star. Chris Middleton sucks. $178 million they gave him. You wish that they could rescind that contract if you're the owner of the Bucks. That's the problem in Milwaukee, folks. We don't have that second banana superstar to pick up the slack when somebody shuts down Giannis Antetokounmpo. And what I'm hearing is that Miami and Toronto are two places that Giannis is supposedly interested in playing in. And obviously, Toronto had the bad start in their, in their series against the Boston Celtics. But lo and behold, Nick Nurse makes a couple of adjustments and all of a sudden it's 2-2 again and Toronto's right back in it. So um, I... I hate to say this because I have really enjoyed the Milwaukee Bucks being something besides an afterthought in the NBA. Small town. Now, obviously, Milwaukee has come into the forefront in a lot of conversations because of what happened a couple weeks ago with Jacob Blake in regard to Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is only 40 miles away from Milwaukee. And I think that has hurt the psyche of the Bucks as well. But beyond all of that extracurricular crap, everybody's playing in the bubble. Everybody's been there now over 60 days, which is ridiculous. But it's the only way I think that the NBA could have gone on and completed their season and award a champion, same way in the National Hockey League, is with a bubble. I'll talk about this, and Chris and I will get into a conversation in 536 about the National Football League. And they're starting this Thursday, but I'm of the belief that the National Football League will have some delays. I really believe that, and I'll get to that in 536. But the Bucks do not have a second banana star, and that's why I'm having a real sickish feeling. Because every time in my 55 years of life, every time Milwaukee was good, they'd get to a certain spot, and then their superstar either wants to leave via free agency or always for a bigger market or wants to go uh, and get traded. Let's go back to 1975. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar gets traded to the Los Angeles Lakers for six players and draft picks. We had a good run in the early 80s, but then Marcus Johnson wants to get traded because he can't stand small-town Milwaukee anymore, and he gets traded to the L.A. Clippers. Now, and Milwaukee since 86 has been pretty much dog shit, folks. They've been in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals once with big dogs Sam Cassell and Ray Allen. They lose in seven games to the Philadelphia 76ers who go on to lose in 2001 to the Los Angeles Lakers. Milwaukee is always just like always right there, but they can't get over the hump. And I'm afraid it's going to happen again. And I think that Giannis is going to take his talents somewhere else. And if Milwaukee's smart, 
John Horst, the general manager. If you're smart and you get these same feelings inside of you that I have inside of me, I think the biggest and best thing that he could do would be to trade Giannis to get something before he leaves for nothing. Yeah, you'd never want to lose Giannis for nothing. That would be a disaster. You just have to have a frank conversation with him and his agent and say, what do you want to do here? And either sign him to a Supermax or trade them, right? Like, that's it. Absolutely. And if you're going to keep him, I would imagine that he would want to know who that second banana will be because that is the thing to do these days. Do you have a suggestion for who you'd like them to go out and get realistically as a second banana for him? Well, they need a shooter. I mean, they need a guy. I don't know a guy. I mean, I, I mean, I know a lot of guys, but I'm saying who would be available to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think a lot of guys would jump at the chance to play with Giannis if they knew he was going to be there long term. But Middleton, Middleton is not the answer. Eric Bledsoe is not the answer. Um, they've got a, you know, uh, I think some of the pieces on their second unit, like Dante DiVincenzo, uh, might need to be upgraded to the first unit next year. You can't come back with Wesley Matthews next year as your two guard. Um, we need in Milwaukee. We need somebody like. Oh, I would love to see. Uh, I I I don't know. I, I'd have to kind of think about that as to who I think. But we need a guy that can take a jump shot and make a jump shot, whether it's a two or a three. We need a guy that can drive to the hole and take some of the pressure off Giannis. Um, I think there'd be a lot of guys that would be interested in playing in Milwaukee if Giannis is there long term. There's a brand new building, a brand new practice facility. The facilities are second to none. Um, But again, how much is Milwaukee going to be able to pay because they're limited being a very small market franchise? And ultimately, um, this is a team that won 60 games last year had the first two games in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then they pissed it away against the Toronto Raptors, and the Toronto Raptors outcoached. Nick Nurse outcoached Mike Budenholzer last year, and obviously this year, Eric Spolstra, uh, as the head coach of the Miami Heat, has again, once again, outcoached Coach Bud because he has made the adjustments, and alternatively, and maybe in fairness to Coach Bud, he doesn't have the personnel to counteract. He doesn't have the personnel to make a difference. Um, so excuse me, but I just really feel that we may be, maybe seeing Giannis Antetokounmpo play his last game in a Milwaukee Bucks jersey, and that would be a goddamn shame. But if it does come to that, I think the thing that John Horst has to do and what management has to do with the Milwaukee Bucks, the ownership group of the Milwaukee Bucks, is that they would have to get on the phone with somebody and make a trade because you cannot let him, especially as a small market town. If you're the Knicks, you're the Lakers. You know, you're the Dallas Mavericks. You can afford to, I guess, let some guy go because you have the financial wherewithal to make up for that. But ultimately, to answer your question, I'd love to see... All right, I I got a name. I would love to see Luka Doncic play in Milwaukee with Giannis Antetokounmpo. But do you think Mark Cuban's going to let him go? Hell no. But if it's a dream, I'd love to see Luka Doncic being in Milwaukee with Giannis. But if... It, this scenario plays out like I see it playing out, where Giannis is frustrated. He doesn't have the the horses behind him to help. He's obviously got to be the guy. We all know that, but he doesn't have any secondary scoring. He doesn't have any secondary help. Game one of that this uh, game one of this series when they um, lost to Orlando. Now they came back and beat Orlando in five games, but Orlando sucks. But Middleton went one for fourteen from the field. And he's supposed to be your second banana and a two-time All-Star. 
I think what you need to do is you need to get on the phone with somebody and make a trade because, again, as we both just stated, Milwaukee cannot afford, especially as a small market team, cannot afford to let Giannis leave with nothing in return. So that's what I think you'd, you'd really, really have to do. Um, one final thing. We haven't been together in so long um, that I could just go on and on, but we have, a, we have time constraints here. Chris has got, his, Chris has got a life. Um, but I did make to need to make mention, and this is really because I was thinking of Chris. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers made an important signing today by signing Josh Rosen <laughs> to their practice squad, and I thought you'd like to know that. I know that that's high on you know getting Josh Rosen updates are a high priority for you, but uh, let's see. Two years ago. Two years uh, ago. Three years ago. 2018, I think. So now three years ago now. Tenth overall pick of the Arizona Cardinals. Spends one year in Arizona. His biggest win was the game that uh, he quarterbacked the Arizona Cardinals to a victory in Green Bay, and it cost McCarthy his job. Hallelujah. And the next year gets traded to Miami. Can't can't break through with Miami. Can't beat out uh, the, the Harvard man. Yeah. Well, technically he did. No, he didn't beat. No, out. he didn't beat out. He just bent. Fitzpatrick got benched right. for a bit. And there then you go. They had to bench because Rosen, Rosen sucks. And then Fitzpatrick came back and was very good. Right. And now Rosen, who still thinks he's got, and remember, I'll never forget this. You wrote this in that unbelievable blog that you wrote years ago, but you had said that Rosen says, "Well, I don't have to work at McDonald's." Yeah. You know, something to that effect. Yeah, well, yeah. Fuck you. Uh, McDonald's wouldn't take your sorry. Yeah, ass. exactly. But here's the thing. Three years ago, 10th overall pick in the draft, Arizona Cardinals future. It didn't work out. One year later, he's in Miami. Didn't work out in Miami with a team which we thought was going to be tanking last year. And again, all credit to Brian Flores with the job that he did the second half of the season to make that team respectable. And then now he's on the practice squad in Tampa Bay. I mean, can you fall much farther? I mean... he might not. He might even have trouble, in my estimation, making an XFL, or a CFL, or uh, what was that American Legions of Football roster right now, or AAF or whatever the hell it was. I think he'd have trouble making any of those rosters right now because he just hasn't played enough. He hasn't gotten enough reps. No one's going to take a chance on this guy. No, no, because he doesn't have that love of football. He doesn't have the heart. And I, I did think it was funny though today on Twitter somebody was talking about him getting signed to the practice squad and being a quarterback on the Bucks roster. And I said, are you sure he's not an upgrade over a 43-year-old washed-up has-been? <laughs> Just to see what people would say. So, well, see, because I'm not convinced Brady's anything special anymore. And and he's never. we still haven't seen him be away from Belichick and away from the famili- familiarity and everything like that. And here he goes, and now he's 43 and he's doing it. I'm not convinced he's going to be any good. He was regressing last year and people didn't notice because they had that great defense. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't count on, and he's got a great supporting cast and great coaching, and I'm still am not convinced he's going to be anything other than a game manager at best. Well, but you know what? The thing that, that um, and I think his name is Jason Licht or Light or something, uh, yeah, like the that. general manager, they have really surrounded him with some weapons. They sure. had great receivers last year. Mm-hmm. They had good tight ends. I don't know if they've improved that with Gronkowski. I'm still anti-Gronkowski, but the running back room is very good in Tampa. Now you have Fournette, you know, you just give him his little coloring book and, you know, give him a couple of specific plays that he can run, a couple of off-tackle runs and stuff like that, and hopefully get to the outside and make something happen on natural ability. But even if if Tampa Bay doesn't play very well, they still 
should be competitive, even though they're playing in a very difficult division that has a guy by the name of Drew Brees in it. So um, interesting times in Tampa Bay, but I think it's officially time to put a fork in Josh Rosen, I think. He's oh, done. yeah, for sure it is. For sure it is. And, and we might be saying the same thing about Tom Brady because, as you just said, if Tom doesn't do a good job, he has absolutely no excuse whatsoever. Right, absolutely. We've got to run. Uh, we've in, in our other episode this week, we want to take a, a cursory look at week number one of the National Football League. I want to take an in-depth look at the uh, upcoming conference finals in the National Hockey League. Two teams in Edmonton, two teams in Toronto. Literally looking forward to that. And some really exciting, I think, really good hockey teams that are left. Well-coached hockey teams. And that's my shout-out to Barry Trotz, man. What a difference he makes oh, yeah. for the New York Oh, Islanders. by the way, yeah, that reminds me. Um, was it, I think it was Sid Sixero last night on Twitter posted that. Uh, number of playoff series won by... Uh, the Maple Leafs and the Islanders since the John Tavares acquisition. <laughs> Maple Leafs, zero. zero. <laughs> Islanders, four and counting. And counting, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What can you say? Go, Barry Trotz. Hey, listen, if there's a team out there, and, and obviously we saw this last year with what Tortorella and the Blue Jackets did in round one, um, taking down a team that won 62 regular season games. Uh, it can happen. But when you've got Barry Trotz on your bench, um, don't take anything for granted, folks. And correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong here, but in Game 7 of the Philly series, Barry Trotz played a hunch and put in the other goaltender, and look what had happened. They made it to the Stanley, or excuse me, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 1993. So I love Barry Trotz. I think he's the best coach in the National Hockey League. And I think just with him on your bench, that's worth a win or two in a seven-game series. Absolutely, yeah. Barry Trotz, uh, you know, just so consistent. Never should have been let go from uh, from Washington. Nashville or Washington. Right. Yeah, like he, like he should literally still be coaching. He should still be the only coach in Nashville Predators history approaching a quarter century there is what should still be going on. Yeah. Uh, getting rid of Barry Trotz is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of. And he continues to amaze with a team that wasn't even supposed to be any good uh, even with Tavares, and they get rid of Tavares, and then they're better without. Like it's the guy's unbelievable, and uh, he need. I don't care what happens in his career, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. No question, he's the best. No question, and it also be interesting to see what Pimple Boy. That's my new name for uh, the general manager, Kyle Dubas in Toronto. <laughs> what Pimple Boy does to reshape his roster. This is a team that's tearing it up in the regular season, but they get to the postseason and they can't. They can't squat flies. They can't do nothing. They're just... And I, I, I have no problem with it because it's the GTA. I could give a shit. Speaking of, last thing, speaking of um, interesting GM hires, potentially, did you hear that Pierre Maguire got interviewed for the Coyotes job? Yes, I did hear that. That's, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And, you know, you never know how it's going to work because these guys are, are so brilliant, uh, you know, as analysts. And I, I've been kind of disappointed at Mike Mayock in Vegas. Uh, you know, he hasn't seemed... Like, you know, he's so brilliant. And, and of all things, especially he's covering the draft. And you see him in these all these draft broadcasts, and he's unbelievable. And he takes Cleland Farrell, like, fourth overall for no reason. And then you see him. It's like the when when they get to the big stage, they just, you know, freak out and get stage fright or I something. I don't think Mayock has done that bad. I mean, I agree with you in some, obviously. There, are some, some, there are some questionable ones. There are some questionable ones. But I would think 
that Mike Mayock and, again, my favorite whipping boy in Green Bay, Brian Gutekunst, could have a conversation in regard to how to acquire a wide receiver, though. I love the wide receiver room with the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't like the wide receiver room for the Green Bay well, Packers. Well, okay, but in fairness, Tyrell Williams now is out for the year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they've got Hunter Renfro, who was great for two games last year in the slot, but they're probably putting rugs there. And they drafted rugs over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, who are both on the board. All That's wide true. receivers were on the board. That's true. Good uh, point. And they went with their own version of Mequel Hardman, who... Yeah, twice a year, looks amazing. Right. And then the rest of the time, they don't give him any targets because they're more of a gadget guy. They should have gone with Judy or CeeDee Lamb, in my opinion, there. We'll see if they can make Ruggs the real deal. He's just a, a speed burner. But these scouts and these coaches and these guys and these GMs, they overplay the combine. They get excited about, oh, he ran a 4.3 instead of a 4.4. So now we have to draft him over over guys that are legitimate, you know, potentially number one wide receivers in the league. And it's silly. And Pierre Maguire, I'm rooting for him. I like when the smart, intelligent guys who know their stuff and, and love the game get their, get their shot there. So, I mean, if he does get hired, assuming... Uh, it what, would be interesting. The guy that was in there, and I know we're wrong. John Chaka. Right. What, was there a, a communication breakdown, or what do you think happened there? Because I thought he was one of the young, brilliant young minds in the National Hockey League. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, years ago, you never would have, it doesn't matter what the guy was, you never would have hired a 26-year-old right. to be the GM. Right. And he just, but I mean, there was no such thing as advanced analytics that many years ago. And uh, when you get a, a young hotshot who has his own analytics firm, uh, you know, he he was very smart. He was very good. I liked a lot of the stuff he did. Uh, I don't know exactly what the problem was, but it wasn't handled that great by uh, his bosses because there was a there was a meeting they were having with a player, I think, and they literally just didn't invite him to be in the meeting. And it's like, okay, Whoa. okay, no, no, he's the GM. Right. Either either you fire him or he's part of the meeting. That's it. Right. So I was disappointed in in that handling there. So I tend to blame management more than him. Uh, they were unprofessional. So I don't know. I think now he was a 26-year-old GM with... Now he's got like five years experience as a GM and he's in his early 30s. He'll I, go somewhere else. He'll get, he'll get a job somewhere else for sure. I thought he did really well. And keep in mind, they, they have a severe internal cap and he is a, and no fans and they have uh, all these restrictions. And he I thought he did a, quite a good job. So I think he'll get a chance somewhere else. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested. If there was one guy I'd, I'd be interested to see get a job as an NHL GM to see how he would do, it is Pierre Maguire. Uh, you know, him or Ray Ferraro, actually, but maybe even McGuire even more so. So I hope they do hire him, and I would like to see what he can do. We've got to run on this 535th episode of Unscripted. A lot of things to get to in our uh, uh, follow-up uh, episode after this one, so I better shut up and, and put the wraps on this one. But again, we've been gone since July the 28th, so we've got a lot of catching up to do. I haven't seen Chris since July 28th, so it's good to see him as well. Um, having said all that, we've got to run, um, for the executive, I forgot, I forgot even how to sign off. It's been so goddamn long for the executive producer of unscripted with Mike and Chris, Mr. Chris Fluke. I'm Mike Jansen until next time.